At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. This episode is brought to you by Nice Job. Visit nicejob.com to learn all about the reputation marketing tools available for small businesses. Collect two to three times more reviews, share that social proof on your website and social media, and get more leads and sales. New signups can get $50 off when they mention the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Visit get.nicejob.com to learn more. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group, and I just grabbed a tool for demo. And this tool is called the Airco Line Set Bender by Castell. So on on the packaging, it's showing like an insulated line set and then these line set benders going inside. So if you have a, a line set, let's say that is insulated, you can't use your ratchet bender on it because you're going to ruin the insulation. So these are flexible pieces of plastic that you slide in, right? It takes up the cavity inside the pipe so you can bend the pipe around it without kinking it. All right. Now I just tested it. I'm going to put a video out and you'll see that video on TikTok. You'll see it on Instagram. You'll see it on Facebook. Just some tips if you're using it. Keep it off the floor. I had it on the floor just for demo purposes. Keep it off the floor so you're not sliding dirt into your pipe. Make sure your pipe is reamed out so it slides in nice and smooth. And don't make a bunch of bends while it's in there because you won't be able to pull it out. Do one bend, shove it in to the point where it's a little bit past where you're going to bend, bend it, and then pull it back out. If you do a bunch of bends, what's going to happen is you you won't be able to slide it out. So it's the Airco Line Set Bender by Castell uh, from the Master Group. Check out master.ca. Okay, so we're going to tackle something on this podcast. I don't think that we've talked about really in the past. We haven't done an episode on it, at least anyway, and that is chillers, but for uh, if we're going to narrow it down, process chillers. All right, so we got a great guest. We got Martin King on the podcast. Martin has been in the process chiller business for many years and has a lot of knowledge and he's a great speaker, a great guy. So he's going to bring forth some knowledge on process chillers. And we're also going to talk about something that he's up to now. And that is online, online training. Uh, he started the process chiller Academy and what he's doing with that is trying to, to train up individuals, companies, whatever in process chillers, because it's, it's a, I would say it's a niche of the industry that not a lot of people are familiar with and the ones that are familiar with it and get good at it and become experts within that sort of niche, guess what? You are, you're going to be sought after because process chillers are, they are, let's say this, they are super important to the application because if they go down, the process goes down. The process, what can, what is the process? The process can be, we're going to talk about this during the podcast. The process can be manufacturing. Um, the process can be metal, medical equipment, keeping it cool, right? So if it goes down, you need an expert on site to bring that thing back up. So, I mean, yeah, you might get called out of bed at three in the morning, whatever, but 
you're going to keep working and you're going to keep steady working, you can probably demand uh, top dollar for this, right? So we're going to talk about process chillers. We're going to talk about Martin's journey now into the, the, the process chiller Academy. And we're going to get all this wrapped up into one conversation. This is the HVAC know-it-all podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. All right, Martin, it's for real this time. No, <laughs> we, we can't mess up anymore. What's going on? How, how you doing? Oh, today? yes, we can. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know. That's how we learn, right? Exactly. That's how you get smarter. Yeah. <laughs> how you doing? Good. Just a sprinkly day here in Central Oregon. Oregon. What uh what's the weather like right now? Like temperature-wise? Uh it's in the 40s. It's in the yeah. 40s. I I live at the coast over in a town called Hillsboro and then I have a vacation home over in Central Oregon and I'm over here winterizing right now because we get a lot of snow here. So it's in the it's in the 40s right now. It'll get down in the 20s tonight, and then uh, but the real weather's going to set in. Nothing like Canada, but it's going to get cold. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm in Toronto, which in Toronto, if you look at if you look on a map, um, it's it's actually a lot more south than a good portion of the United yeah. States. So I mean, we do have. Uh, we do have some crappy winters here, and, and I live in in a town that's about an hour or so north of uh, the the Toronto area, and mm-hmm. we get we get a ton of snow. It's like a different yeah. it's like a different environment almost. When you hit a certain point north, it's like it can be raining. You go up a hill, and then all of a sudden it's snowing. It's it's crazy. right. Anyway, anyway, yeah. so we're, I guess that's talking about cold weather. We're here to talk about chillers, and that's what they do is produce cold. <laughs> so that's right. Or they remove, actually, they remove heat. They don't produce cold. They just move BTUs from one place to another. Yeah. Awesome. So <laughs> I'm going to let you introduce yourself uh, so you can let the audience know what you're up to. And uh, then we'll have a discussion about chillers. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, I started out as a HVAC contractor and... I did commercial. I started out in residential, just me and one truck, made it up to get into commercial. And it was just a, it was awesome. I, I, uh, there, there was a lot of sacrifice along the way, but it was a really good, exciting time in my life. And as I mentioned to you earlier, Gary, I just literally fell into chillers. My biggest commercial customer says to me, Hey, we just bought this multi-million dollar digital IC tester from Hewlett Packard and we need a chiller for it. And I said, yeah, well, I do air conditioning, but I don't know much about chillers. And they said, well, that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call one of our competitors, right? Well, you know what happens when that happens, right? Your competitor comes in and they, they also do air conditioning work and then you end up sacrificing the account. Right. So yeah. it took me about, Oh, I don't know, about a half hour to think that, you know, finally realized that wasn't such a smart move. And I said, sure, I'll do it. And it was literally an erector set. We, we bought a, uh, 
a chiller, as they called it, was basically a glorified condensing unit from one of the big box manufacturers. And we bought the pumps and the controls and the pipes and all the wires and all the stuff and put it all together. And the darn thing worked. It didn't look good, but it worked. <laughs> you got any pictures? Uh, I do. Uh, I think so. This was this was like, you know, close to 20 years ago, but uh, I, I probably do. I probably do. That'd be cool. Embarrassingly, to see I probably do. <laughs> anyway, so I uh, that the job went well, and one thing led to another, as things do. And um, we did a few jobs for the same customer, and it was it was a great relationship. They paid us, and everything was good. And little did I know that Hewlett Packard they were manufacturing these testers in Germany, and some engineer back in Stuttgart, Germany just put a little one-liner in their site prep guide for these new testers and says, Hey, if you need a chiller, call these guys. <laughs> and then uh, within a month, my phone was lighting up and we had jobs, you know, it, it was, and it was crazy, Gary. We had customers calling from all over the world and, and it wasn't your typical, give me a bid. It was like, Hey, we just bought this $2 million tester and we need a chiller for it. So, you know, what do we put on this purchase order? I mean, it was, it was yeah. literally like that. It was just crazy, crazy. Anyway, so what happened was the chiller business grew and way outpaced my mechanical contracting company. We had a lot of trucks and, and it, it, it just, it was very, very profitable. So I ended up um, in 2000, right after the dot-com bust. I sold my contracting company and then I went into manufacturing chillers full time. And it was so busy, I ended up outsourcing it. I ended up um, outsourcing my design to another chiller manufacturer. And then basically all I did was I pushed paper. And then that evolved into the president of the company that was building the chillers for me. Him and I formed a partnership. We built our own manufacturing plant in uh, Pennsylvania. And um, in 2020, I retired from the process chiller business. <laughs> so that's the Reader's Digest. Nice, nice. And you know what? It's funny that you said that once you did the first chiller and uh, you kind of got the, your feet under you and, and people started to get the word out or you got the word out that you're doing chillers and the phone kept ringing. The same thing kind of happened to me. And we talked earlier today and I, and I told you that as far as process chillers go, I have experience with Mocon chillers, which are customized chillers. They're in, they're in Buffalo, New York, and mm -hmm. they do heat, they do heat, they can do heat. Um, and they can do like they can do chilled water, glycol, whatever. So you can heat or chill with, with the same unit. And a building of mine, they rolled in a couple, and I'm like, man, these things are interesting, and yeah. I don't really know how to how to use them. And and then I I called uh I called their tech support line in Buffalo, and um, we got to talk. And the guy's like, yeah, he's like, you seem knowledgeable enough that you could probably handle these he's like i'll tell you what we'll we'll get one of our guys to roll up there it's only an hour and a half from buffalo like where we were um and i'll get him to spend the day with you so he did he came up spent the day with me training me on these two chillers and then they they used us for mocon in the area so two chillers went to like 20 within a year and we'd be getting service calls and stuff on so i know exactly where you're coming from but it opened up 
a door and an opportunity to work right. on something cool and something I've never seen before. And, and it was just different. And I really enjoyed the experience with it. Yeah, that's that's a perfect segue in, in, you know, people, technicians out there that are, you know, just looking to get into the trade, you know, and their, their first assignments, what are they doing? You know, they're doing maintenance, maintenance, service checks, changing filters and stuff. <clears throat> One thing leads to another. And what I notice is you get a technician that's in year two, year three, maybe even getting close to turning out as a journeyman. You get that stagnation, you know, like, oh, I'm going to work today and I'm, you know, going to be doing this account. I've done this account a million times. Yep. And you just get stuck. And unfortunately, a lot of these guys will jump, you know, they'll go into other trades, which is a huge shame. And what I've been explaining to anybody who will listen is that if you focus on education and you just get curious about stuff, just like you did, you know, with the chillers, you can really write your own ticket. Another big one is controls, building automation, right? Uh, you get somebody who has a little electrical aptitude and, you know, likes to mess with computers and stuff. I mean, you, you get to know a specialization area of the HVAC world and you can pretty much write your own ticket as long as you maintain that good attitude and the curiosity. You want to learn stuff. So. Yeah, exactly. So for the audience that's listening here, there's there's going to be people that have worked on chillers. And when they see the title of this podcast, it'll have chiller in the title. They're, they might be curious, well, what is a chiller? How does it work? I don't get to work on them. So maybe we should explain briefly what a chiller is and how it differentiates between a traditional uh, unitary type air conditioning unit. Great. That's perfect. So the inside operation of a chiller doesn't really matter if it's a large tonnage centrifugal or my world, which is process, you still have the same basic components. You have condenser, evaporator, compressor, metering device, and all the other ancillary stuff that makes it work. It's the exact same thing. The only real big difference is the cooling medium, right? So you have a air conditioning, you're exchanging BTUs, like we were talking about earlier, with air. And in the chiller world, you're basically just exchanging BTUs with a fluid source. Typically, that fluid source is water. It could be water glycol, and then you could get into some really weird stuff like oils and whatever fluid it is. Um, it, it all has a different specific density and heat transfer capability, but it's a fluid. And it works the same way. Right. So you instead of having a a coil evaporator or a flat coil evaporator, you have uh, a braised plate heat exchanger, typically, or a shell and tube for larger tonnage stuff. But it's it's basically the the same thing you have, like you have with air conditioning, you have package units, you have split condenser units. Um, the same thing happens in you have water cooled, air cooled. The same thing happens in the process chiller world. You have package split air cooled water cooled i mean it's it's the it, it's very very similar where a lot of people get confused and i'm actually doing some content on this right now is people tend to not quite understand what process chiller really means i've had some people say well you, you know i i have people ask me so what is a process chiller and i always turn that around and say what do you think it is right and then i just kind of <laughs> shut up and listen right 
Yeah. And some people say, oh, it's one of those centrifugal things. You know, they cool buildings. And yeah, that's partially true. That that happens. And some people say, well, any chiller that has, you know, glycol in it is considered a processed chiller. That also is typically true or can be true. But the reality of it is the difference between process and air conditioning duty or comfort control is the fact that a process chiller has a very, very wide bandwidth of operating conditions. You know, whereas air conditioning, I don't want to get too super technical, but air conditioning, you're looking at, you know, um, 35, 36, 40 degree suctions on the refrigerant gas. So you're, you're putting out, you know, air, uh, to, to provide comfort cooling with a little bit of humidity extraction. On the process chiller side, you can have suctions running down, or I guess it would be fluid leaving the evaporator down from minus five all the way to 75 degrees and, and anything in between. Yeah. Um, so that's usually what it is. And in, in within the realm of process chillers, you have what you call standard duty process chillers. And then you have a whole other class, what you call mission critical and mission criticals are stuff that when that chiller goes down, there's a significant uh, financial impact on the user. So a a primary example of that would be uh, MRIs, uh, CTs for medical imaging, uh, linear accelerators for cancer therapy, lasers, um, breweries, you know, breweries, distilleries, wineries. If those chillers go out, uh, then that in, in many cases, that, that process that that, um, business is using that chiller for, they're out of business until somebody smart enough can come along and fix it for them. Mm -hmm. So, process is the wide range so i've never thought about it that way before is the is the wide range compared to the 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 smaller range of the of the air conditioning application and then we we're also using it within um manufacturing process or process like something is is happening um how do i put that into words i i say manufacturing process like somebody's building something and and maybe some plastic molding and it's gonna it's gotta run through a, a a chilled area and that chiller is what essentially would cool the fluid to run through that chilled area where the plastic is so it's it's a manufacturing process if you will if if you want to add to that go go ahead so if your company is looking to extend the warranty period of an oem manufacturer's warranty just to give your customer a bit of peace of mind past that that warranty period jb warranties offers that okay so they have like eighteen thousand partners within the the skilled trades business independent to large scale they work with over 90 uh, distributors in the business as well and they also offer uh, labor rates labor rates back to the contractor up to three hundred dollars an hour so if you're in the market to provide a solution like that to your customers check out jb warranties testo testo is just just keeps making test products after test products that um, each generation just keeps getting better and better. That's because they're listening to the feedback of, of the people that use their tools, the end users, the technicians of the field. So one, one of the tools that they've brought out 
within the last year and a half or so is the Testo 300 combustion analyzer. It's a touchscreen analyzer. It's basically an Android tablet. There's all kinds of things you can do with it. So if you're in the market for an analyzer, check out the Testo 300. Navac, they are they are at the top of the game when it comes to recovery and evacuation and they have a very cool recovery machine called the nrdd all right it's super fast it's got a it's got one knob on it so with that knob basically what you can do is you can shut it off obviously you can shut off the pumping action with that valve you can also throttle liquid you can go to full recovery mode and you can pump out the recovery unit into the bottle when you you're done recovering out the system so all that done with one knob it's it's a badass machine it's digital it's got a low pressure cutoff so when you're recovering you don't have to worry about sitting there and watching it and shutting it off it will shut off on its own when it gets to that point um, true tech tools you can pick this stuff up Tesla 300 and the navac nrdd at true tech tools and there's a promo code in use not for everything i think fluke fleer there's a couple other ones in there that you cannot use the promo code for, but it's 8% off if you use the code KNOWITALL at checkout. Yeah, that's exactly right. So another one is like uh, um, cutting jets. You know, we used to do a lot of cutting jets, people cutting uh, steel plates and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll have a certain, what we call approach temperature. The approach is how much what the temperature of the fluid is leaving the chiller going out to the process. Um, and, but there's just some really like a lot of people don't realize this, like just this conversation that we're having, Gary, the fact that in these machines that we're running, it has a microprocessor chip, whether it be a phone or a cell phone or uh, or a cell phone or a, a laptop or whatever, they all have microprocessors. And back in the day, these microprocessors, could be tested on air-cooled testing equipment and developed. Well, what happened back in you know the mid-90s is this is how I even got into the business is that Hewlett Packard being the company they were, they developed this new tester that would handle these new higher power chipsets. Um, they're going in all these medical devices, or excuse me, all these um, testing devices. And so every single chip that goes into every single or or processor, mainly processor that goes into every single uh, device is developed and or tested on a water cooled application of some type. And, you know, people just don't don't put that together. But that's, you know, kind of how it is. The other thing that's interesting about process you had a guest on a while back that was actually it was a really good show. It was um, a guy that was working on centrifugal chillers, right? Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, they're very narrow bandwidth. Those things are putting out 43 to 46, 43 to 45 degree approach temperatures into some massive air handlers, right? That's what they do. Um, and they're too cold typically for high tech applications because the fluid leaving at 44 degrees has um, it's within the realm of the dew point. And most of the people designing high tech equipment, like, you know, MRIs and CTs and things like that, um, they want to run their approach temperatures above the dew point. So they don't have condensation problems, right? They can expose Mm -hmm. pipe and things like that. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And one thing, when you said mission critical, and and I thought of something like uh, a piece of machinery that can't go down 
And if it goes down, like you said, it costs that company a ton of money because now they're they're stuck. They can't move on. Why, if something is that important, why are more manufacturing, medical, whatever, not using backup? Is it because of initial cost? Because the, the cost of going down could be, over the course of time, could be more than the initial cost to put in backup. Do you have a good right. answer for that? Or, or do you, have you come across this at all? Oh, yeah. That's a smart question, Gary. So, yes, the process children manufacturers are addressing that. There's, there's two schools of thought in the manufacturing world. You have a customer that says, I need a 60,000 BTUH process chiller air-cooled package, and it needs, to, uh, it needs to be, you know, this pumping requirement, which we can get into later, and it's going to be for this fancy machine. Um, some manufacturers will just say, all right, well, I just want to get the work, so we're going to quote the bare bones minimum, and here's your price. So here you go. The more uh, advanced manufacturers, and there's a few, there's a few of them out there. Um, what what we would do is actually delve into questions with the customer and say, okay, so what does it cost you if your MRI goes down? Now I already knew the answer to that because we, you know, we did a lot of MRIs and medical stuff, and it's usually an astronomical number. Plus, if we're talking medical um, testing equipment. If you have an MRI go down in a particular hospital and you have an accident, let's say somebody has a, a really bad car accident, whatever, and that the call goes into the hospital, the ambulance gets the report from the hospital, hey, you can't take this patient here because most likely they're going to need a scan. They got to go to another hospital. Now you're getting into life safety stuff, right? Because if you have yeah. somebody who's critical, three, four, five minutes to go to another hospital is, is kind of a big deal. So back to yeah. your redundancy question. So manufacturers, if they ask the questions about redundancy, what's what's the importance of it? And they're truly selling a mission critical chiller. They're going to do that 60,000 BTUH chiller. They're going to actually design it at 120,000 BTU chiller with two compressors, right? So one, any one compressor can handle the, the load. And the other thing that they do is they're going to make them totally independent circuits. You don't want to have shared shared circuits, refrigeration mm-hmm. circuits, because as you know, right, you have a failure and you you know spew out a bunch of acid into the oil on one. You got to do a huge cleanup job, right? So so that's that's that. The other thing you want to do is have redundancy on pumping. Pumping is also a really big deal. So compared to air conditioning, pumps are going to be like your indoor fan, right? So, so basically whatever circulating air across your evaporator coil and air conditioning, you need a pump to circulate your fluid through your heat exchanger to provide cooling to whatever it is you're cooling. So they'll do the same thing. We would do um, redundant pumps with a lot of logic, you know, meaning that it does, um, if there's a flow sensor and flow sensor trips, other pump spins up immediately and goes and throws off alarms and all kinds of stuff. So there are manufacturers out there that are really designing into their concept um, redundancy, which is super important. And you're exactly right. You do not, you know, to sell a a customer, 120,000 BTU chiller and a 60,000 BTU chiller is not double. It's probably only about maybe another 60, 70%. Mm-hmm. you know, in the cost of the chiller. It's, it's pretty amazing actually. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I've seen the benefit of redundancy time after time after time because I've been involved in, I guess you could say mission critical in in the sense of a, a server room or a data center. Because same thing, if the, the data center gets to 95 degrees or so and servers start shutting down, then guess what? Uh, information stops flowing and no information, no business. So I've been involved in that where you walk into a room and the, the unit's down it's like a hundred degrees in there and everybody's like not yelling at you, but they're, they're on your back. One's going to be running. One's going to be running. Like it's not. And I came to the point where it's, it's not my fault. If you guys <laughs> didn't put backup into this, into this, into this room, like the unit went down, it's a piece of machinery. It's going to fail at some point, right? No matter how much maintenance you do, there's going to be things that you cannot pick up on a maintenance and, and it'll fail. Um, and then you walk into rooms where they place a service call it's not an emergency so you don't have to go in the middle of the night but they'll be like yeah we got a unit down you guys can come in the morning because the unit the the room is stable and you walk in and there's like two backups right and they all just rotate with each other yeah and and those are the people that have put down the capital up front and thought about the repercussions of going down and i would just like to see more of that because in the long run you you and i both know it costs more in the long run for a failure than to, to put the initial uh, investment up front, right? Amen. Yeah, it's usually what it is. Usually, what it is, it's a facilities manager that's you know a newbie, and all they're all they're concerned about is the is the co- is the cost on their on their expense reports, right? Usually, what happens is Gary goes in there to do a maintenance, and you say, yeah, you know that that compressor's not sounding too good, and uh, here's your quote to, to do the compressor and like, Oh no, that's too, way too much money. And then two months later, bang, right. Gary goes back out there in the middle of the night <laughs> to fix the compressor. And they usually get stung a couple times like that when they finally say, you know, I guess you were serious about that. I guess we should probably do a little better maintenance and be a little more responsive to getting their repair done, repairs done. And, and maybe we need to upgrade this equipment to something a little more redundant. People learn. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Eventually, the, I, I know people like personally in this trade that have, they've told me, they said like, we've given them quotes for backup. They say no. And then when a service call comes in, they're down. They don't rush. They don't, they're like, you know what? We'll get to it when we get to it. And yeah. they may not say that to the customer, but they're like, <laughs> they don't rush to get to that call because they're essentially in a way training their customer to say, Hey, like this happened, like now you got to wait for us. So maybe you got to think about backup and, and it's just, it sucks that it, got, it has to come to that sometimes, but I mean, geez, like it's, it's just, that's life, I guess. Yeah. You know, and the other thing that that's factoring in, I don't know if you're seeing that uh, where you're at Gary, but the skills gap, is a variable right now that uh, a lot it's it's not reported but let's say that scenario you go out and write them up for uh you know replacing a pump on a process chiller and the pump seals are starting to drip 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 well you know you and i know that after pump seal drip 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 it turns into a a problem right well it used to be when you know when the there was more people to service that chiller it used to be that call goes out. Okay, yeah, we should have probably got it done, but somebody can get out there in a couple of days to change it out or, or whatever, or they have to pay a lot of money on an emergency basis to do it. 
Well, with the skills gap right now, there's a variable there. If you get a bunch of, of people that are not getting maintaining their equipment, what ends up happening is that call goes out and we just don't have the people. They're just, I mean, you know, so something that you could respond to an emergency within maybe a couple hours or a day or so. Now they're waiting a week. And, uh, and, and it's just, you can only be at one place at a time. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking when you were saying that too, I don't even know what, what sparked this thought, but, uh, going back to a, a process chiller being, having this wide range and, and you mentioned a negative number, we can actually go in, into the below zero or below 32 degrees Fahrenheit would be below freezing zero degrees Celsius. Um, we have to consider what sort of fluid we're putting in there. And, and there's probably a lot of people that have, that, that know this, but a lot of people that haven't thought about this is that we can't have water in the system. If we're going to get close to freezing, we got to switch to a glycol. So do you want to talk about that for a minute? Like how do we side, decide what, what glycol mixture and what type of glycol and all that kind of stuff we're going to throw into the system? Great, great question. So glycol and freeze protection um, on the hydronic side, I, I could I could go on for hours, but um, basically on a process duty chiller, and and you're going to have a few eyebrows raised at this, but um, if if your approach temperature, the fluid leaving the process, is going to be anything colder than about 44, 45 degrees, you should start having a serious consideration of putting glycol in there. And then we get into, there, there's a little nuance there into how the chiller is designed. So most, most mission critical chillers will be built on what I call a recirc platform. And I'll try not to go into the weeds too far here, but um, you'll have an internal storage tank that's usually pressure rated. You'll have a recirculatory pump that draws off the tank, up through the evaporator, back to the tank. And then you'll have another loop. You'll have another pump that draws off that same tank out to the process and then back again. Okay. So it's a, it's kind of a dual loop. That's, that's probably the, the standard for process chillers, especially mission critical process chillers. In that kind of application, if you're going colder than 44, 45, you really should have glycol in there because you got to keep in mind that what matters is the suction temperature of the refrigerant, right? So the suction temperature, and if you think about it, it, it it's makes sense. So if you're putting out, if you're pulling fluid out of the tank at 40, let's say you have a set point of 45, you're pulling the fluid out of the tank close to set point, that that um, fluid is coming into your brace plate evaporator or whatever evaporator you're using. It's going to be 8, 10, depending on your flow rate, it's going to be colder leaving that evaporator, right? So let's, you go from 45, now you're down to, let's just say 35 to be, you know, round number. So you got 35 exiting the evaporator. What does your refrigerant suction need to be? Well, typically it's going to be around 25 coming the, the actual saturated suction temperature at the tail end of the evaporator. So um, if you have a hiccup in flow rate going into the evaporator, that could change your 45 going in to below 32. And as soon as that ice starts to fill, uh, starts to build up on the plates, you got a problem right now there's ways to deal with that. You know, you have flow switches, you have low suction trips, you have, um, you have hot gas bypass, that kind of stuff, but you typically anything below 45, um, you want to have, uh, um, I would say 
10, 15%, put it in there, get it done. Um, most, most glycol that you're running is going to be propylene glycol, uh, a, a food grade glycol. And another mistake that gets made sometimes is, um, and man, I, I can't tell you how many evaporator, um, we, we've had customers that go and they buy, um, like automotive grade glycol or they buy glycol that's not HVAC heat transfer fluid mm-hmm. and that will destroy, uh, evaporators, pumps and seals and things like that. Um, the other thing that you get out of, um, most glycols, like uh, one of the ones that we formulated our own, but another real popular one is uh, one called Dow Frost, which is uh, Dow Chemical Companies. I'm not pitching them at all, but I'm, you know everybody has it, um, and it's a food grade propylene glycol. And what you get with that is an inhibitor package, and the inhibitor package, um, it's got a lot of stuff in it. Usually, it's a nitrite based stuff which coats the pipe. So, in addition to the freeze protection. You also get some protection against clients that have hard water because hard water and um, solids that come in with city water um, will eventually cause your your fluid to turn weird colors and it can actually cause pitting and damage. So the um, having a little bit of glycol in there um, can also help protect the pipes. So nice. that was the Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was actually going to ask you about rust inhibitors or or just inhibitors in general, but you, you brought it up. So yeah. very cool. And the uh, I remember I remember the uh, going out to one specific building, and and I bring this up because the, there's a special tool that we need to use uh, to check the the freeze point of the glycol. And back in the day, right. I could never I could never remember the name, so I used to always call it the glycol checker. I could never. <laughs> I could never remember the name, but yeah, you were about to say refractometer, right? So yeah, it's a, it's an optical refractometer. It just it, it's just it's a weird thing, man. I don't know exactly how it works, but it has something to do with it. It bends light or something. It, it's a it's a freaky little thing, but it is. yeah, it's anybody cool. that touch that touches a chiller should have a refractometer. Um, you can buy them pretty cheap nowadays, and uh, that's the first thing you should do, especially if you do work on a, like a brewery, they're notorious for this. Um, what breweries do a lot of times that their, their systems are always leaking, whether they're disconnecting a, a tank, uh, one of their, one of their jacket tanks or their, who knows? I mean, they do all kinds of stuff. Inevitably what ends up happening is somebody who doesn't know any better walks up to the glycol tank and says, huh, that's getting a little bit low. So what they, they go over and grab the garden hose, put a little water in there. What they just do? Yeah, they just they diluted just... their glycol, yeah. and then uh, Gary gets a call to go out there and uh, and help help recover them from a frozen up evaporator. <laughs> I re- I remember going out to one site that was it was we were commissioning or I guess starting up the equipment, and it was uh, the there's were there's there were pumps there was glycol in the in these systems and we wanted to check the actual like we wanted to check the freeze point of the glycol and it was minus 12 and mm-hmm. it, here it's that's not cold enough the, the, mm-hmm. the mixture the, the freeze point's not good enough and we reported that to to them and we're like hey listen it's set it's it's the mixture's at minus 12 it's not it's not good enough if we get a cold winter you're going to freeze and what happened we went back 
we went back in the middle of the winter and it was like minus 15 minus 16 degrees celsius outside okay uh, when i said minus 12 i meant celsius we went right. out and and the, the 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 fluid wouldn't flow through the system properly and we opened up one of the one of the the, the spots where we could actually access like the, the fluid and get some out and it was all slushy yeah we're like told you guys like why didn't you guys fix this before but anyway it was just a a little story with a refractometer and and how checking especially on a system that you didn't install check it make sure yeah yeah you know you brought up a really good point gary so so there's two reasons why you run glycol in in and out in a chiller um and one is what i mentioned a few minutes ago about your process loop temperature but you're exactly right. The other the other instance that glycol has to be used is going to be uh, for freeze protection, right? And what I what I recommend if if you have an application, let's say it's an indoor chiller application, so the the chiller, the process fluid, uh, and the process are never exposed to ambient, then the rule would be you want to make sure that your glycol concentration is about 10 degrees lower than what you, you want to, you want at least a 10 degree safety factor. So Mm -hmm. for example, you know, as I mentioned earlier, if you've got, you know, 45, let's say 40 degrees leaving, um, that means that you want to have, I would set that freeze point, your glycol concentration somewhere in the twenties. Okay. You want it, you want it down. So you have safety factor there. On on ambient, you're exactly right. If you because I, I had some jobs in Winnipeg, that's cold. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why it's called Winterpeg. Yeah, I, I uh, anyway I could tell a story about that, but yeah, Winnipeg. Um, we did hospitals up there, and we had a couple of them where the MRI chiller was up on the roof, and we had to specially design the evaporator and the refrigeration system, all that kind of stuff. Because we were running 50% PG, we had to get that freeze point way, way down there. I think minus 35, minus 40. Um, now, if you're running your pumps, everything's hunky-dory, right? If you're running your pump uh, you know, all the time, it's a constantly running application, then you're, you're probably okay because the fluid's moving. And let's say it's, you, know, you got a minus 30 freeze point and you got minus 40. And I'm talking about F now because... Yeah. 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 That's fine. Uh, That's fine. Yeah. 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 So my minus 30 freeze point, which is a 50% PG, uh, water mix that gets your freeze point around minus 30. Um, even at minus 30, you have a minus 40 F night or day in Winnipeg, which can happen. Um, as long as that that pump is running, you're going to be okay. You'll still be okay. Um, but if you have a power outage, uh, you, and that's for a while, you got a problem. You, you could have a problem. Now you're probably not going to burst anything if, if in a minus 30 with a minus 40, uh, ambient, but, um, it, you're going to have, you possibly could have problems restarting it because it's so thick. Yeah, correct. Yeah. That, that's the problem we were having just a slushy mixture inside and right. it just wasn't, it wasn't operating properly. Yeah. So, so I mean, there you're you're doing something that that's cool now, and you're doing something that's giving back and, and helping, and and we should talk about that. And that is your process chiller academy. Do you want to yeah. sort of tell us what that's all about? Well, Gary, it's a labor of love. <laughs> I uh, I w- when I decided to retire, I sold all my my manufacturing company in June of 2020, and I. 
I was trying to figure out, you know, what I can do to give back to this industry. That's this, I don't know. I think it's, I put a lot into it, but I think I got a lot more out of it than I, than I put into it. it it's just, it was amazing. It's an amazing career. And I, and I'm still pretty young and uh, you know, I, my, my brain cells are still working and I, and I'm healthy. Um, so I decided that, Hey, I know what I'll do. I, I started doing online uh, teaching back in 2015 through a, uh, online course that I was selling and it was doing pretty good. And I thought, okay, cool. So I'll just put together process tooler Academy and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put a bunch of content out there and build it and they will come. Well, not so much. <laughs> so, um, what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm trying to put out some really quality content. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to get awareness out there to, uh, young people that like me, uh, I went to college, I, I did everything in reverse, but, um, you know, people like me, I dyslexia, I, I was just, I didn't really, I was not college material until I could get, um, a more understanding about my learning stuff. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to tech school. And, uh, there's a lot of other people out there, I think that are not college bound. And I think a lot of parents, they, they want their kids to have, you know, the college experience that they had, but things have changed quite a bit. Yep. And, um, I want to make it viable that, Hey, you know, you can do very well in skilled trades. So that's, that's the thing I want to do is get the message out there about that. And then also when you do get into skilled trades, hopefully HVAC, that you have the right attitude about it to, um, really accelerate there. There's a formula to it, to acceleration, which I know I don't need to explain to you. It's all about work ethic and, and keeping curious. Right. So oh, yeah. that's what I'm doing. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so what are you, let, let me ask you this, like what it's a chiller Academy. So obviously you have courses. What are you teaching in these courses? Yeah. So great question. So Gary, what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm working on building my audience. I, I have one paid course. It's a basic refrigeration course, and it's basically a hybrid of the one I produced a long time ago. And then I have a bunch of free courses out there. And what it's all about right now is building my audience and trying to see uh, what's out there. Now, I, I was going to just go crazy and create a bunch of um, really cool process chiller related online courses, but to be honest with you, I want to I want to prove out the concept. I want to see if there's enough people out there that actually you know want to learn uh, process chiller. So the model I'm under now is content creation, uh, getting the word out, and the aforementioned goals. And then um, I'm in a, a kind of a workshop model right now. So my next move is is I put a lot of content out there, see what what the market's responding to. And then what I'm going to try and do is create a series of short workshops to see if um, it, you know, to see if it's viable and most importantly, get feedback, you know, find yeah. out what I want to do is I want to create a course that I know before I even create the thing, which takes a lot of effort before I even create it, that there's going to be people out there that are going to actually want to participate in it. So that's the mode I'm in right now. Yeah, I, I think there is. I, I, I know there is. And what I'll say to to that is, is process chillers is sort of a specialized part of the trade, right? And, and I think that if you are good at a specialized part of the trade, 
there's very few of, of, of those people that, that are around, right. That are specialized and very knowledgeable at it. So I think it's, it'd be very cool to, to be specialized in, in anything and be the, be the go-to. Like, I mean, it, it would suck if, if you're not that person that likes to travel everywhere and stuff like that. But if you like that stuff and you're young enough and or you don't have a family yet, or your family's accepting of you leaving a lot, it could be something that you could do and, and have like a, a blast doing it, like visit different cities around the, the world and, and just be coveted because you're a specialist in that specific area. Right. Yeah. You're exactly right, Gary. The, the thing is about um, specialized skill sets is it doesn't matter if you're a technician or you're a, a business owner, it, it steadies out your life. Okay. So a lot of uh, business owners, because I've interviewed a people, a few on my podcast, and you have those ebbs and flows, you know, every yeah. year. Um, if you're, if you're in even commercial, not so much, but in, in residential for sure in the spring um, and the, in the fall, you know, you, you got, you got challenges sometimes unless you're blessed to have a whole bunch of maintenance contracts. Um, and then again, even if you have maintenance contracts, if the economy's bad, sometimes they don't even, you know, customers don't want to even do that. So you have these ebbs and flows to your business volume. And the challenge to that is, is that if you, let's say you're a business owner and you've got a bunch of Gary's that you just got to keep busy or they're going to jump and go to another company, which I mean, you know, your lifeblood is your, is your skilled techs. Yeah. Um, getting into a specialty trade like, you know, chillers, boilers, control, something that um, that's not as seasonal. And it, and especially if you can get into the mission critical realm where, you know, hospitals are running all year round, people making yep. beer all year round. Um, you, you can really steady out your life and not have to worry about, gosh, am I going to get my full out, you know, full paycheck next week? <laughs> I, I, I know this firsthand, you take care of critical equipment. You're always going to have work because if the customer's smart and you, it, I hate saying this, but if you train your customer correctly to know that if I tell you something is going to go, it, it's, it, it could go and, and you should probably, and then once they see that the pattern of less breakdowns and stuff, they start to trust you more. And right. after you build that trust with several different customers and they're like, Gary says it's, or, or Martin says it's going to do this, right? Um, we better do it because there's a past record there of, of less failures ever since mm -hmm. they, they came on board. You're always going to have a job because that, that work is going to be there, but you got to decide, do you, do you want to be on the roof or in a basement or in a, in a mechanical room or wherever right. at two thirty three in the morning, because I've had some bad nights on some roofs by myself at those times. And they oh, yeah. were not, they were not fun. So They're you got to, you got to decide, do you want to be in those positions? Cause you eventually will be. Yeah. And you develop a reputation. It, like I said, I, I brought this up a few times. It's about attitude. You know, I mean, you, you're that guy that is willing to take that service call at, at midnight, and not roll in till you're almost dead at five or six in the morning because you're out there babysitting something that needs to keep running. Mm -hmm. um, the word gets around like, you know, the people that have the grit to be able to say, you know, that really, that was not fun. But the fact that you were, you have that attitude, you will always find opportunities. Opportunities, actually they'll find you. If you're a problem solver and people have real problems, um, 
the the opportunities are, are typically going to find you. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I that I that's proved in my career over and over and over. I, I just can't tell you. <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. So I I would love to help drive some more people to um to what you're doing because cool. like I, said, I I really I really think that and and what you're doing there there's there's nobody right now you've you've kind of ripped into the market into a little niche for yourself because I haven't seen anybody doing any sort of training online for process chillers. Yeah. So so I mean you could hit a home run with this and and I would love to get anybody that's interested uh yeah cool to, to see what you're doing. Like how how do they how do they get a hold of you? Where do they go for your training? Like what's what's the deal there? Yeah, cool Gary. Thank you. Uh processchilleracademy.com is the website. And we, I'm, I'm on a mission right now, uh, to once a week, I'm trying to, um, feed the process chiller pro podcast. That's my, my, my new podcast. I just launched it. And my goal is to put something out each week and I'm getting better. Um, and really what I'm hungry for right now is to get feedback to find out what do you guys want to learn about? And I'm and my list is growing It's slow, but it's growing. Um, I have some content coming out on the podcast on the hydronic side. Um, just quick stuff. It's going to be probably 10, 15 minute. I'm covering uh, pumps. Pumps was a big issue. Um, I, I was sort of a unique bird when it came to owning my own manufacturing company. I, um, I would deliberately uh, set myself in on tech support calls. And, you know, and I, I was the guy where, you know, I take the calls late in the afternoon, late at night when, you know, got the Gary's out there on the roof saying, Hey, this MRI is down. I, I have no clue what's going on with this thing. Right. So I, uh, I, I, I want to get feedback from people to find out what they, what they want. And, and the first folly of content I'm putting out there is basically Martin's list of top problems that I know about. <laughs> so gotcha. Yeah. Cool, man. So you got you got some free you got some free courses. You have a yep. one 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 paid one right now that they got to pay for. Yeah, uh, it's basic refrigeration. So it's it would be a good one for newbie techs that you know need to understand superheat, subcooling, heat transfer, you know all that yep. kind of stuff. It goes into yep. the operation of expand. It, it's very very basic, but um, it it's been doing well. Um, I just put up a uh, basic refrigeration. Uh, excuse me, basic process chiller design mini course. It's a three-day course. It's distributed over email. And I have a, um, I have a piece of software that I developed uh, years ago. It's an Excel-based program. So if you got, if, if there's anybody out there that does design stuff, like they got to do a layout on a, a fluid distribution system for a winery, brewery, whatever, um, it calculates all your pipe sizing and it calculates your pumping requirements and all that kind of stuff. So that's part of this free course. And, um, that's actually been getting a lot of activity. So, and I'm just constantly trying to put stuff out there. I have a, I have a, um, workshop that I'm working on. Um, it's called the, uh, career success pyramid. It's something that I use to train my guys. Um, and, uh, my, my goal from that is, is to develop that attitude, that mindset, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we got a bunch of Gary's out there that are really, you know, curious about stuff and, and wanting to get into stuff, you know, and learn things. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm hoping that anybody that's listening to this, that's taking the time to listen to a podcast about HVAC and chillers 
obviously wants to learn. So there, there, there's, there's the audience there for you that could be interested. So if you guys are interested, go check out uh, Martin, what, what he's up to. And you guys might. Cool, like man. So uh, thanks, man. I appreciate this conversation tonight. And uh, like, I, I learned some stuff and, <laughs> and, and I'm glad we touched on the difference between an AC uh, traditionally and a, and a process chiller. And I'm glad that you said that the process chiller has this wide range because I really never thought of it in that respect before. So yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks, Martin. I appreciate it. Awesome. I just last week put out a podcast on what's the difference between a process chiller and, and a climate type chiller. So sweet. It just came out. So. All right. Cool, well, man. The, awesome. your name of your, what's the name of your podcast again? Can you say it one more time? It's called, it's called the process chiller pro podcast process chiller pro and i was gonna do i was gonna do know it all but i hear somebody's got that already (laughs) yeah (laughs) process chiller know it all yeah (laughs) so as we've talked several times on this podcast hvac and refrigeration there are so many opportunities in this industry to be had if if you're willing all right many different avenues to take process chillers is just another one Okay, so if it's something that you think that you're interested in, you can reach out to Martin and maybe do some of his classes and or, or some of his of his online courses just to educate yourself a little bit more. And if it's something that you you really want to focus on, uh, you know, you would have to reach out to companies that sort of do this kind of stuff and and plead your case and say, I want to learn it, I want to be involved, and so on and so forth, right? Because it's a very specialized part of the trade and you got to be knowledgeable you have to be willing to be taught you can't be close-minded all, all, all of those things so if it's a path you want to take you're gonna have to do some research and you could have a long a long nice good career making a ton of money doing process chiller work because it's so specialized anyway guys martin thank you very much awesome conversation i'm out guys thank you to the master group happy hvac hope you enjoyed the show Follow HVAC Know-It-All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.